Welcome everybody to Disney World A to Z. This is the podcast for all things Walt Disney World from A to Z. We'll take you through the magic alphabetically. I'm your host, Emma. This week we are on the letter I, and I is for Impression de France. This is the movie in the France Pavilion at Epcot. Back on uh, back on Bastille Day on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash bookishprincess, I did a whole video on Impression de France, and I feel like I've talked about Impression de France on the podcast so much. It would be fun to uh, put this out as a podcast episode as well, if you prefer listening. I hope you guys enjoy. Bonjour, mes amis. It's Emma here, the bookish princess. Now today is Bastille Day. And as we know from the narrator of Impression de France, nothing makes us prouder than to celebrate the birth of our great République. So I thought today would be the perfect opportunity to do a little Impression de France homage. If you're a part of the bookish kingdom, if you're familiar with my videos, you'll know that we absolutely love Impression de France around here. It's the movie in the France Pavilion at Epcot. It was actually there when the park first opened in 1982, so it holds a record for the longest-running movie that plays daily in the same theater, which is pretty great and hopefully will prevent Disney from ever getting rid of it when they announced um, the changes coming to Epcot and some of them to the France Pavilion. I was worried, but... Disney has said Impression de France is staying. I guess it's going to share the theater with the new Beauty and the Beast um, show. So presumably they don't want to lose that Guinness World Record. And also Impression de France is just so fabulous. It just feels like sort of world showcase at its finest. It takes you out of Florida and transports you to France. It's a 17-minute film, perfect way to get some air conditioning, rest your feet, and take a journey to Europe. I did a video that was real-life personalities who have inspired Walt Disney World. I love thinking about all the real-life inspirations behind the incredible details and stories at the Disney parks. And of course, Epcot is just chock full of them. So I thought this video would be my Impression de France in real life video. In fact, I found the movie so inspiring that on my last trip to France, I actually planned it around the locations in Impression de France because I wanted to see them in real life. It was actually that trip that partially inspired me to start my YouTube channel so you can watch those those vlogs from that trip. I'll make sure I link the playlist down below. We're going to do some highlights and talk about the real life places that you see in the movie. I'm going to focus on the ones that I've been to in real life because if we went through every single one, this would be a very long video. <laughs> and now we proudly take you on a visit to my country, La France. We hope you enjoy the classic beauty, music, and romance that you will see from Paris to our Provencal countryside in Impression de France. Et maintenant, madame et messieurs, j'ai le plaisir de vous présenter Impression de France. Now I want you to close your eyes, okay? It's all dark. The theater has gone dark. You can hear the curtains moving back from the five screens and then the strain of a flute. The music is definitely a big part of what makes Impression de France so incredible. Impression de France actually has a very impressive Wikipedia page. That's what I used when I planned our trip to figure out where the different locations were and also what the music was because I went and bought the full songs and downloaded them and listened to them constantly throughout our trip on the train rides and it just made it all so much more magical. I don't think there really is like a, I don't think Disney has released like the full soundtrack, although I think there are some like Disney World Classics albums where maybe you can buy part part of the Impression de France soundtrack, but oh my gosh, that music is just stunning and adds to the story and the, the sort of timing and cadence of Impression de France so much. So we start with Claude Debussy, this is Shrinx, the flute, and gradually the cliffs of Etretat come into view. So Etretat is in Normandy, it's in the northwest of France, it's right across the channel from England. It has three famous cliffs, the ones that we see at 
at the beginning of Impression de France are the Porte d'Aval and Laguie, I think is how you say that. It's the needle. We did visit Etretat on our trip, and when we got there, it had been a long day with, like, mix-up with trains, and, you know, like, evening was falling, so it was already getting dark, and we were staying at this place called the Hotel Dormy House, and it is, like, perched right up on top of the cliffs, practically. I don't think you can see it, sadly, in any of the Impression de France shots. We didn't have a car, so, you know, we got off at the train station, and we're walking um, up to the hotel with our heavy bags, but then as we got to the top of the, of the hill I could see the cliffs in the distance and it was just this like perfect moment all the travel weariness melted away it's like here I am in Impression de France there are the cliffs of Etretat we're gonna come back to Etretat though that's one of the things I love about Impression de France the movie is that you know you revisit your favorite places it's not like you see them and you're done with them everything is so woven together so as the flute trails off we launch into Carnival des Animaux the aquarium song this is by Camille Saint-Saëns and we're floating down I think I read that that first beautiful forest kind of river is a swamp near La Rochelle we're gonna come back to La Rochelle don't worry about that but then we come out from under the trees among gentle spirits of the air, my France awakens, we see how it done. And there's a beautiful castle stretched out all the way across the river. This is Chalonceau. One of my favorite memories from our trip was the castles in the Loire Valley, which are featured so beautifully in Impression de France. Chalonceau is the first one that we see. So during our trip, we stayed in the city of Tours to get around to the different castles. Chalonceau is actually on the train line, and I think the station is like practically right at the gates of the castle. So it was really convenient. You walk down this long corridor of trees, and then there's the castle and there's a little pepper pot tower next to it and these beautiful gardens which we see some of in Impression de France. It was so interesting to learn about the history of it. First they built the castle on the side of the river like so just off the bridge and then and then they said you know what let's just build across the whole rest of the bridge. Apparently it was Diane de Poitiers who was a mistress of one of the kings of France who really built up the castle and like built it across the bridge and made it so beautiful and then the king died and the king's wife, the king's widow, Catherine de' Medici, kicked Diane de Poitiers out and moved in there. And I think she ruled France from there for her son, who was too young, so he was the regent. Chenonceau is just so, so gorgeous. If I could steal it from somebody, I would. Although apparently it would take a lot to upkeep. Dirt, when we were in the Loire Valley, a tour guide that we had was saying that it's not too bad to get a castle in France, you know, but it's like, it's the first million is the easy part. It's all the millions after that upkeeping the castle that are going to set you back. They obviously do a beautiful job maintaining Chenonceau. There are huge gardens and like greenhouses. From Impression de France, I knew the gardens would be beautiful, but I didn't know how important the gardens are to Chenonceau because they actually have huge greenhouses and acres kind of beyond the castle where they grow all sorts of flowers and plants and inside the castle. They had absolutely stunning floral displays in practically every room. There's this beautiful gallery kind of going across the bridge that has a black and white tile floor and they had these gorgeous huge d displays of red roses that just looked perfect. It felt like Catherine de, Me de Medici or de 
Diane de Poitiers had put them there or had, you know, commanded her servants to fill up the fill up the rooms with flowers. It just made the castle feel so lived in. Often when you visit, you know, castles and museums, like there are ropes telling you where to go. It feels very much like a tourist attraction, but it also felt kind of lived in. And I think it was partly because of those flowers. In every little nook and cranny, there was some kind of beautiful display on the kitchens. I think they had like some herb baskets and they smelled beautiful. And not just the flowers, they also had big roaring fires going in so many of the different rooms, like enormous logs. And again, it felt like the residents of the castle had just stepped out and you'd stepped in and you could warm yourself by the fire. So from Chenalso, the movie takes us to Cheverny. That's the castle in the distance where you see the big pack of hounds um, being driven across the grass. Cheverny is actually famous for its kennels. They have more than a hundred dogs there. I think you can actually see like the feeding of the dogs every day, although March was not during the like on season. So they didn't have that going on but we did get to go inside and it was so beautiful there's really beautiful nursery with all sorts of gorgeous old children's toys and dolls so we ended up booking a tour where they took us to Cheverny and Chambord. Chambord gets one of my favorite pieces of music from this Rondo from Concerto in C for Harp and Orchestra by Francois Adrien Baudieu. Chambord is the final castle in the Loire Valley sequence in Impression de France, and it's just, it looks like a pastry, doesn't it? Those roof towers, how do you beat them? They're absolutely amazing. Like, French pastries are amazing, and then you have this French castle that looks just as amazing as the French pastries. Chambord is the largest castle in the Loire Valley. It was initially built as a hunting lodge, which it's like, you think of a hunting lodge as this like little cabin, but no, they, they built this enormous, enormous castle. Leonardo da Vinci is rumored to have had something to do with the building of the castle. They say the staircase might have been his design. It's a pretty stunning staircase, the way it goes all the way up through the middle of the castle, and then it has like this little tower on top, which you can actually see. It's one of those crazy towers on the roof. Again, wandering around Chambord felt like stepping back in time. It didn't feel like a museum because you could really go almost wherever you wanted, and there were some rooms that were beautifully set up, you know, with old furnishings and you know, they'd researched it and had recreated and had different uh, plaques about the kings and queens who had lived there. But then you could also just wander around out on the roof, go around all the different little balconies. And it was so fascinating to just catch different glimpses of the towers and windows and staircases. Walking around on the roof of Chambord was another of those I've stepped into Impression de France moments because you might not have noticed this. So the helicopter shot in Impression de France goes right over Chambord, right around the towers. So you get a kind of 360 view of them, but you might not have noticed, I know I didn't notice this until like several viewings of Impression de France, that there are people walking around on that roof. So when we were one of the people, Walking around on that roof, it was pretty, it was pretty epic. There's graffiti in Chambord that's from like the 1600s. Apparently Moliere premiered one of his uh, plays there, which I had just been reading Tartuffe by Moliere. So that was pretty exciting to try to imagine Moliere like getting everything ready and the actors and, and, and all of that. I follow Chambord on Instagram and Cheverny. When I go on a trip, I love following like some of my favorite places that I visit. And then even if I'm not anywhere near there ge geographically and I might not be able to get back ever again, it's fun to see them on Instagram and see all the different uh, seasonal events that they have. I think Chambord recently kind of did up their gardens. So I think they're even more impressive now than the shot in Impression de France. So next up, we fly out through the French countryside over the village of Vézelay. Unfortunately, I did not get to Vézelay. I'm gonna have to do a, a second Impression de France trip 
someday to get to the places I didn't make it to. But I just love that shot in the movie because the people in it don't feel like actors. They feel like locals who, you know, the, the filmmaker like recruited to be in the video. So you're, you know, riding in this cart down the village street and like the driver of it like kind of like kind of like scoots aside as this as if he's like oh can you can you see but it's like there are five cameras because of course impression de france is a 200 degree like kind of half circle vision theater um so it's like don't worry they can see um and then of course you come into the market and the ladies with the flowers and it's oh just so such so classic and then we come to a patisserie guys i don't understand why we can't do pastries and bread like they do in France here in America because we just can't. In France, it's like every corner has an amazing place that makes amazing croissants and amazing pastries and it's just sort of a matter of course. Like that's what you see people. When we stayed in tours, we saw someone just bicycling along with their morning baguette, you know, that they had obviously picked up at the local bakery and oh, I just, that's what I envy most about France. Certainly visited plenty of great patisseries one of my favorite French patisseries or breads is the brioche with like the little knob on the top. It's just such a cute piece of bread and it's so delicious. And we actually found a place in Tours called the Briocherie, which best name for a bakery, boulangerie ever. And they had brioche as large as your head. So we bought one of those and we actually brought it along on a, our uh, day trip to uh, Chambord. So that was our lunch. I had a brioche as big as my head outside of Chambord and it was such a great moment. <laughs> Two of my favorite patisseries of the trip were in Paris, so I think we'll wait until we get to the Paris part of Impression de France to tell you about those. But I did find a favorite patisserie in Tours. It was called Honoré, I think. It was just on the main shopping street, and it was kind of open to the air and just... It looks so beautiful, like this beautiful tarte au framboise with beautiful raspberries and just gorgeous breads and, oh, guys, patis... Oh, I'm, I'm getting hungry just talking about this. <laughs> If France is famous for its pastries, it's also famous for its wine. So then in the movie, we have a beautiful little uh, shot through the vineyard. And then, of course, the the man in the cognac cellar cork, uncorking the bottle to give you a drink. And then I love how he pops the bottle and then it's popped to the fountains of Versailles. We did visit Versailles during our trip. It's a pretty short uh, train journey outside of Paris. You can take the RER. Versailles is very, very popular. I, I wonder if there's ever like a quiet time at Versailles. It's probably like the Magic Kingdom these days. Like it's kind of always popular. I know we were there in March, which is kind of the off season, and we went quite early in the morning. We didn't quite make it to opening, but it was already super crowded in like the Hall of Mirrors and in, in the rooms. But that's okay. You still get a chance to experience it. And if you can kind of time it, like because there were these huge tour groups and they really contributed to the crowds so if you could kind of stay like right 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 before or right behind a tour group it wasn't it wasn't so bad um but it was so thrilling to walk through the hall of mirrors which you do see in impression de france and to look in the mirrors and imagine all the other ladies who had walked through there and then of course we also explored the gardens which were gorgeous you know i should have gone on a hunt to try to find all of those fountains because they feature a bunch of different cool sculptures and fountains, but we certainly saw plenty of beautiful fountains. And we walked down the rows of trees, we walked down to the Trianon palaces, which, see, Versailles, it's gorgeous. It's, it's just absolutely beautiful and such a pleasure. And you can't help but enjoy it because it was made for enjoyment. But at the same time, it's so decadent that it kind of defeats its own pleasure. Because why do you really need like a second palace kind of right down the road from your big, huge Versailles palace? And then, of course, they also had the Louvre in Paris. So, 
Yeah, those French kings and queens. One of my favorite places at Versailles was Marie Antoinette's personal Disneyland, which this didn't make it into Impression de France, but it felt like such a Disney kind of place. So Marie Antoinette built this little hamlet as basically a place where she and her friends could play peasant. So it had pretty little gardens and there's like a lake and a, a sort of lighthouse on the lake and these absolutely charming, charming little cottages. They're so cute. They feel like they're out of a Disney movie. In fact, there was one that I was sure Belle's Cottage is based on because it even had like the little water wheel out front. But I remember at the time I was thinking that this is what New Fantasyland should look like. Like this is basically Disneyland. Marie Antoinette built herself a Disneyland. It felt like a little doll village, but human-sized, and so it was absolutely beautiful, but it was also like, this is not what peasants lived like. In distant towns, in quiet villages, within the heart of all my people dwells, the secret vagabond. The bikes, guys. The bikes are one of my favorite parts of Impression de France. It's just, it's so fabulous. Sadly, we did not go biking on our Impression de France trip. The weather was pretty iffy and there was even snow involved, so the bikes were kind of out, but I was biking at heart and I did have the song, which is uh, Overture from Gat Parisien by Jacques Offenbach which is kind of the perfect biking music. It's so great. Is this the one? There's one, at least one, Impression de France song that somehow made it onto the Disney um, Resort TV channel, you know, like just the, the channel with like the park hours rotating and it has a just uh, diff a selection of different Disney Disney medleys and Disney songs and Impression de France is in there, which whoever put together that selection of music had great taste. <laughs> one, one of you guys actually told me about a podcast, I think it was the Tomorrowland Society, that did an interview with the filmmaker behind the Imagineer who created Impression de France. Rick Harper was the name of the director and it's a really cool interview and you get to hear all these like behind the scenes facts about the filming of Impression de France and apparently apparently the people riding the bikes were the film crew um, which is pretty great. They look like they're just having an awesome time and laughing. Like they don't, don't look like professional actors and actresses. That's one of the things that I love about Impression de France is it feels like it feels just real. It feels just like you're there. It's not at all digital. Thank goodness for that. And the people in it, like, it feels like you'd kind of see the same people if you went to France yourself. People almost wiping out on their bikes. That's one of my favorite moments. This is the sort of action part of Impression de France. So then we cut to a car race in Cannes, although we're not at the Riviera yet. But we'll get there. And then the hot air balloons outside the castle. Dreaming of faraway places yet unseen, we say in the words of our poet Baudelaire. Et sans savoir pourquoi, lisent toujours, allons. They leave for the sake of leaving, and without knowing why, they always say, we must go. See all the things Impression de France has introduced me to. Amazing French composers, beautiful French cities and places, and the poet Baudelaire. You know that epic city that like the hot air balloons are like floating kind of right around? If we could have made it there, I would have. It's, uh, what is it? It's called Rocamadour. I'm doing my best with the pronunciation here, guys. Ah, oh, but how gorgeous is that? That was kind of in the middle of France, and it just, it didn't work out with our rail journeys. But see, an Impression de Provence part two trip would definitely include that. <laughs> and then it's time for the French Alps, which are just gorgeous. We did not go hiking. That, that one scene, you don't even realize there are people on those crazy little cliff tops, but they are. How did they get there? I don't know. I'm not that hardcore, I think, that I would be willing to 
uh, hike up to those crazy little peaks. But it sure did make for an epic shot. La Rochelle, which is the next city in Impression de France, is much more my speed. This is a harbor city on the western coast of France. It was founded in like the 10th century, so it's always been an important harbor point. We went into one of the churches and everywhere there were just like ships and like paintings of ships and it just felt very airy and breezy. Like you could sort of smell the salty sea air coming in and you could imagine all the wives and all the family members who had prayed for prayed for people going out on ships. La Rochelle was just such a beautiful city to wander around. We stayed at this amazing hotel. I think it was a best western which is kind of crazy but it was basically like a castle and wandering around the city like it felt like every other street there was this beautiful little castle tucked away um, or this beautiful ancient clock tower and then of course you get to the harbor and there are the two towers. There's actually a third tower. You can't see it in the Impression de France but if you go down to the harbor wall it's just down the way and it's just such a beautiful kind of harborscape. We did not go out in a boat um, but we certainly walked all around the harbor and all around the town. There was some really good shopping. Speaking of patisseries, one of my favorite patisseries, it was called Dijoli. Dijoli? I'm not even sure how you would pronounce it, but everything behind the pastry case was beautiful. I got this tiny little pot of chocolate mousse, and then we walked out and we sat near the harbor on this little bench under some trees to, to eat our pastry snacks, and it was just just pretty magical. I think as we were walking along the harbor wall, we spotted a cannonball just like randomly in in the sidewalk. Like, you know, they just left it there for a couple hundred years. <laughs> Researching this trip made all the different scenes come alive. And it's fun how like everything feels so, you know, of a piece and, and it makes so much sense put together. But some of them are really hopping around. So you remember at the beginning, we were in a swamp by La Rochelle. And then all of a sudden we're in the Loire Valley with the castles with Chanel So. And during the scene, where you know your the boat is going out of La Rochelle between the two towers and then you cut to like the fishermen on the boat and then there are the fishermen on the beach well if you look off in the distance off on like the far end you can see the cliffs of Etretat so then we're back in Etretat and then all of a sudden we're at So Etretat and Mont Saint-Michel are both in Normandy, but they are not easy to get between. We did visit both of them on our trip, but we actually had to go, see, because initially I was like, oh, that'll be great. But then I woke up the train things and we actually had to go back through Paris to get from, uh, from Mont Saint-Michel to Etretat, and that was the day there was snow and bad train delays. See, we should have just rented a boat or something and gone along the water. <laughs> if we'd had a car, it probably wouldn't have been that big of a deal, but in general, the rail transportation in Europe is so good that if you can't rent a car or you don't want to have to deal with a car, you can get around pretty well just with the trains. Near Mont Saint-Michel, we actually ended up staying at this bed and breakfast, which it had amazing reviews and they were totally, totally well-earned because the people, the proprietors who ran it were so sweet. They actually picked us up at the train station, drove us out to their bed and breakfast. It was only like 15 minutes away. And then they drove us out to Mont Saint-Michel, which was also only about 15 minutes away. But it was, they were just so nice and it made for such a fun stay. Every morning when we woke up, we would smell croissants 
baking down below because they it was a bed and breakfast. So there were, of course, wonderful croissants in the morning. Mont Saint-Michel was so memorable to visit. It was kind of a gray day. The sea and the sky and the crazy monastery, the town built on the rock, all sort of melding together. It's so cool to visit places like that. It's kind of like Skellig Michael, which is a monastery off the coast of Ireland, off the coast of Kerry. It's the island from The Force Awakens, although it's such an epic island. They did not do it justice in Star Wars. But it's just so awesome that people hundreds and hundreds of years ago who didn't have modern machinery, who, you know, it wasn't going to be easy, but they stood on the edge of the shore and they looked out, out across the waves and the sand and saw this crazy little rock and said, you know what, we're going to build a monastery there. Like, I just, I love that spirit, that way of thinking. We need more of that. That's the way to be. The monastery on Mont Saint-Michel was started, I think, in the 8th century. Of course, there is a little town around it. Apparently, there are like a couple dozen people who live there walking up to um, the monastery. There are lots of, you know, shops and lots of uh, cafes. We had read beforehand that it was very expensive, so we just brought along lunch. We didn't bother to eat there. I was tempted to go to this place called La Mer Poulard, which apparently has famous omelets and Samantha Brown. I absolutely love Samantha Brown. Um, she she ate there in one of her episodes, but I think when I looked it up, the omelets were like $20 for one omelet. So I was like, we'll just, we'll just walk up and see the monastery. It was so beautiful to explore the inside of the monastery, all the cloisters, and the rooms are so beautiful. Even the rooms that like they just used as sort of normal gathering spaces, like they're beautifully arched and lofted, and the sound is incredible. We were actually like singing a little bit because we just wanted to hear the echoes. We're so magical. And then of course, as you're like wandering down all the staircases and around all the towers and walls of the town, up above you, behind you, silhouetted against the sky is always the beautiful towers of Malsam. Michel. The movie moves from Mont Saint-Michel to a wedding, which apparently they did stage. But again, I love that scene. You have the traditional Brittany folk, outlet, folk outfits. So Mont Saint-Michel is actually kind of on the border of Normandy and Brittany. And uh, on one of our days, uh, when we were near Mont Saint-Michel, we decided to go to Saint-Malo because the uh, proprietors at our bed and breakfast suggested it. And it was such a beautiful town. We saw some, um, at least in the gift shops, some of those Brittany lace uh, caps. St. Malo was really devastated during World War II, um, and a lot of the city was bombed out, the old city, but they did rebuild it all. Um, and it was just a beautiful place to wander around the sea and like these fortifications out to sea. And there were some amazing bakeries. This one patisserie had a little petite souris, a little mouse, a chocolate mouse. Oh, I love that. We went to this waffle store that was incredible. St. Malo did not make it into Impression de France, but it definitely gets my vote. Another place we went that wasn't in Impression de France, but it was on our way to La Rochelle. The trains weren't working out perfectly, and so I decided that we would actually stop in in Nantes and we would like have a couple hours of kind of a layover between trains um, to just explore the city briefly and I found this amazing cafe we walked to which was so much fun and there was a fun chocolate shop and we walked by the beautiful I'm not sure if it was the city hall like the fortification was lovely so that was just a fun little extra that we would not have necessarily uh, experienced if not for our Impression de France pilgrimage to La Rochelle. 
Anyway, getting back to actual Impression de France, I love how that wedding scene ends with like a sort of fade to the couple and their little dog walking along the cliffside, the cliffs of Etretat, and there's this beautiful church. So of course, when we stayed at Etretat, we had to walk up and walk along the cliffs. It was so stunning. It was also so ridiculously windy. It, you could barely hear me in the vlog clips that I filmed. Um, and we were like kind of staying away from the edge because we didn't want to get blown out to sea. But it was so exciting to walk there up along right next to the church from Impression de France. The rocks and cliff formations are so crazy, like the way they have formed over the centuries. Monet and Boudin both painted the cliffs of Etretat. Boudin was the artist who did the epic ladies in hoop skirts along the beach. I love that, that style and the idea of ladies in hoop skirts on the beach. I did not actually wear a hoop skirt to, um, to Etretat, and I sadly didn't have a little dog either, but I did not get blown off the side, so that was a plus. From the cold green north they come to the golden glow of the Riviera, where warm winds kindle dreams of eternal spring. The words of the narrator bridging to the next sequence actually make perfect sense because we're going from Etretat up on the north of France which from personal experience, I can tell you is snowy and very cold and windy, even in March. And we go from there to the warm, sunny south of France, the Riviera. That cliff city that we get a helicopter shot of is apparently in Corsica. Sadly, we had a limited amount of time and it took long enough just getting from Mont Saint-Michel to, um, to Etretat. So we did not have time on that trip to the Riviera. No belly flops into the ocean for us. But there is a train sequence in Impression de France taking us from the Riviera back up to Paris. We rode so many trains in France, so of course I had to listen to that music. So with the train journey, we are at last in Paris. I kind of love how they save this for the end, but they still give it a nice long segment. That's the nice thing about Impression de France is it is not at all rushed. You get to enjoy every single part of it. So before I forget, I'm gonna tell you about the two amazing patisseries we visited in Paris. One of them was Angelina, which is on the Rue de Rivoli, so not far from the Louvre. Angelina was just so elegant, so beautiful. The waiters swanning about the hot chocolate. Oh my gosh, the chocolat chaud. And they came with these little, uh, two little dishes of whipped cream and we got some chocolate pastries to go with it. Oh, the other patisserie. I don't know, it was so different because one, you're sitting in, in and you know, you're being served and it's all elegant. The other, store was just you walk in and there's a counter and you buy whatever you want and they package it up. They package pastries so beautifully in France. Like these amazing packagings that you like couldn't have even imagined would be easy to like accomplish, like these little pyramids and oh, I love it. Store had like everything. They had amazingly beautiful breads. They had amazingly beautiful pastries, like, you know, pretty macarons and pretty eclairs and things like that. And they also had a ton of cold stuff that like, you know, savory things that I wish I had had time to try. If I lived in Paris, I would totally go to store all the time and I would try every single thing there, even the uh, the escargot. <laughs> store I think the pastry chef who started store like it goes all the way back uh, centuries. It's supposed to be the oldest pastry shop in Paris. And um, the pastry chef who started it, of course, worked for the king and queen. So it has royal roots. Of course, we walked by the Eiffel Tower many times. Our hotel, it wasn't close to the Eiffel Tower, but you could actually kind of see it um, from between the buildings. You could see it sparkling in the evening. We did not go up. Up the, um, up the Eiffel Tower. But we went to Mass at Notre Dame. That was such a beautiful evening. I think we'd just gotten back from Versailles and we were hurrying to try to get to Mass in time. And like the sunset sky behind Notre Dame Cathedral was just 
so beautiful. It was celebrating its 850th anniversary of the cathedral. Just stunning. The cathedrals and ancient churches are a big part of the magic of any trip to Europe. One of the first things I did on my trip was stop in the uh, Eglise Saint-Eustache, which was near Les Halles. It was, I had just gotten off the train and I was on my way to Storer, the patisserie, but I could not resist stopping in. And it was so beautiful, just the old statues and the stained glass windows and saying a prayer in the quiet of the old church was just the perfect way to start the trip. We of course went to the Louvre. I think they had an evening rate that was either free or really reduced and it was like open late so just the rooms in the Louvre themselves are incredibly beautiful and then of course it's filled with priceless artwork Paris is just the perfect finale to this film though the city of lights a living symbol of every age of every season across the face of my beloved forms so I hope you guys enjoyed this Impression de France tribute. I hope you have a wonderful Bastille Day. Go out and have some French pastries. I one time tried to make brioche myself. It takes hours though. So I thought I would finish this off with a little scavenger hunt. The next time you're in Epcot and watching Impression de France, because obviously you're going to, these are the things you can try to see if you can spot. Some of them we've talked about and some of them maybe you won't know where to find. So you need to find a brioche as large as your head. The chef's cheese table. I think it's a, a cheese table anyway. It's the little chef's table. You'll know it when you see it. It's not the one in the Riviera. I'll give you that. But you do also have to find a baked Alaska. I think it's a baked Alaska. It's on fire anyway. Find a man wearing a bunch of grapes on his head. Don't miss the belly flop. See if you can spot the Sacré-Cœur from the top of Paris. Don't, don't miss those hikers in the Alps. You have to find them. See if you can see the little girl wearing the Brittany hat. There's the skier who almost wipes out, the biker who almost wipes out. See if you can find a horse having a drink of water. In the market, don't miss the wine stand with the man with the pipe. I think he's selling wine. He might be selling olive oil, but I'm, I would guess wine. Look for a flock of sheep, a woman with a leopard print hat, the Henry, Henry Catra, the Henry IV statue on the Pont Neuf. Don't miss him. And finally, my personal favorite, in the Gare du Nord at the train station, you have to find the mother and child waving to their returning, uh, the returning papa. And then you have to not only find them, see if you can find um, their father coming home who they're waving to. Merci beaucoup for watching. If you're not subscribed yet, you should definitely join the Bookish Kingdom. Don't forget to give this video a thumbs up. Thank you again for watching, and I hope that you have a magical day. Au revoir!